All right, welcome to the Natural Wisdom Podcast. And I'm Christine Backus, and Emily Trinkus is with me today. And we are calling this a cosmic wisdom conversation today. And we are thinking it's going to be the first of many. And so after we're done today, we would love feedback from those of you that listen on the podcast or here live with us. Uh, I do want to say, let's see, today is December 4th, 2021, and we're meeting at just hours after the Sagittarius total solar eclipse. So if we seem a little um, nervous, it's because we are. It's And we're going to talk all about eclipses and things like that in this particular one. Uh, I do want to say thank you very much to the patrons that support the show and just remind you that there are a couple of different ways you can support the show if you want to do that um, through Patreon and even through uh, Anchor FM, which is where the show is hosted. And you can listen to it on your favorite podcast platform. Okay, that's enough of the like formalities. Um, Oh, gosh, I don't even know where to start. I guess I'll just start by saying that Emily, well, I, um, I studied astrology with Emily and Emily and I work together a lot and we have a lot of fun in our conversations and we're excited about getting started with cosmic wisdom conversations. Okay, so how do we, Emily, you have a way that you want to start? Do we want to just dive into today's eclipse and a couple of highlights? Yeah, I think we might as well, since I'm guessing that all of us are feeling it as much as you and I are, as we talked about before the show. Um, yeah, should we talk about eclipses a little more broadly for those who yeah. aren't familiar with them yet? Yeah, let's talk about what an eclipse is. And, and because we're going to talk about the lunar nodes, I want to do just a quick thing about what the heck are the lunar nodes and why. Okay, well, let go for it. Sorry. I was just going to say, let's, let's start with eclipses, um, which are extra powerful new and full moons that happen every six months, and they come in pairs. And lunations, new and full moons, um, are very much connected with our emotional bodies. As we know, the moon rules the tides, and we're mostly made up of water. And new and full moons can feel quite intense emotionally. And eclipses, even more so. And one of the ways to think about eclipse season, because really, you know, we're in this six week period that starts two weeks before the first eclipse until two weeks after the second eclipse. Um, it's, it's a time when whatever has been suppressed or repressed comes to the surface. And so we can think about it as a purging a detox. Um, people do tend to get ill more often during eclipse season because the body is detoxing. And also I think because that's a way to um, get us to actually feel what we need to feel and deal with what we need to deal with if we're laid out and not running around so much. Um, so very intense periods, high pressure, high intensity. It's, it's like um, everything seems amplified and more dramatic. And as eclipses happen, they also amplify and dramatize, turn up the volume on whatever else is already happening astrologically. And whether or not you know anything about astrology, 
there's a ton happening and, and, you know, there's a ton happening in the world and the astrology reflects that. So very high pressure time, but it, something that's important too, is that even though it is a time when what's been maybe developing behind the scenes or, you know, beneath the surface gets catalyzed into action. So it can seem like all of a sudden this is happening, all of a sudden that's happening. And it can seem like there are these big faded destined events. Um, also to remember, so yes, it is an important time, big time of change and big time of being in the mystery. There's that sense of being in the dark, like this portal into a new reality. And at the same time to just keep, keep some part of your mind aware that things might be blown out of proportion emotionally as well, right? So yes, it's true. It's a big change time you know, death and rebirth and important people coming in and out of our lives and things, you know, some curveballs and things happening quickly and this too shall pass. And I know for myself, um, and Christine and I were talking before we officially started about the anxiety and this eclipse is in conjunct Uranus, which is the planet that rules the nervous system and feels like up in the air, the sky god. And I know for myself for the past, at least couple of days, but probably the past week, I've, I keep having to remind myself to breathe because I keep, I'm functioning in this like, okay. Yeah, I wanted to add a couple of things to that because, um, well, for one thing with this particular eclipse, Mercury and Uranus are both involved in that, that quincunx. And Mercury also has some rulership. It has rulership over the way that messages are sent within the nervous system. And so that sort of speedy, it's almost like um, there's, there's too much speed and then not enough speed. And so that all of our rhythms, maybe that's the easiest way to say it, is our rhythms are disturbed. And one of the reasons like, you know, a lot of us like to work with these new and full moons and set intentions and some people like to do magic, but the traditional wisdom is this is not necessarily a good time to be trying to do that because the energy is not predictable. It's it, yeah. It, eclipse season in general carries that Uranian energy of unpredictability, curveballs right? Expect the unexpected. And remembering that out of chaos comes creativity, which is one of the Uranian mottos. So we can, you know, if we're, if we can dance with the chaos, it could also be very creative. Um, but, you know, I want to share in terms of working magic. Um, I've been going to this temple, this Buddhist temple nearby to meditate. And, and I went yesterday morning to meditate with the, 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 Buddhists and, um, and there are a couple of Tibetan monks who run the temple and th they talked about what what the Buddhist approach is or what Buddhists do at eclipses and the Genpo was talking about how it's an extremely powerful time to meditate especially during the eclipse and he talked about the different mantras and you know different things that he did but basically the Buddhist idea is that whatever energy you put out during an eclipse, it's amplified like a hundred times or a thousand times. Oh, I love that. And whether that's good energy or bad energy. And he was saying that, you know, it like 
different at different times, you know, he's been woken up in the middle of the night to go meditate during the eclipse, you know, it was last night. And but whether or not we're meditating exactly at the eclipse, just to keep in mind, like we're in this energy, certainly all weekend, maybe for the next week. So just, and, and since this is a Sagittarius eclipse and Sagittarius is the sign of optimism and positivity and faith and, you know, putting good energy out there that we have this uh, extra kind of cosmic force behind the energy that we're putting out into the world. So to keep that in mind as well, that it, it does matter, you know, yes. that we, yeah, how we engage with the energies. I think that reminds me so much and I'm sure, yeah, I mean, it just reminds me so much that we tend to think that we're as individuals, we're not significant. And yet the truth is, you know, I, I mean, we're holograms, right? So our intentions and our, like, the, as you say, the energy we're putting out in the world matters. And I think that's just a good reminder that especially full and new moons are both like the pauses in the cycle. And then an eclipse is kind of an extra big pause and the pause is where the potency is. And so, yeah. Right. This uh, permeability of the field we yeah. could think of. And, and especially now, because we also have this strong Neptune influence <laughs> because Neptune just turned from retrograde to direct on Wednesday, just a couple of days before this eclipse. And we're still in this very Neptunian time. Also the eclipse and Mercury are squaring Neptune, all of which to say Neptune, which is the dream and the collective dream. And, and it, it goes both ways in terms of, we can feel more sensitive to the collective when Neptune is strong, and, and I, I have to keep reminding myself too that my you know anxiety and freak out, okay, that's it's not just me, right? I'm, I'm like feeling the, the collective vibe, it's really strong. And I think probably everyone listening to this is an empath and you know sensitive person feeling the field. So we can feel inundated by those collective energies. And then we want to remember that we have just as much power going in the other direction. We have the power to affect that field. And as you were saying, yeah, there's this, I, I would like to invite that old story since Sagittarius is also about stories and beliefs and this Sagittarius e eclipse is a lot about eclipsing the old stories that don't serve us. I would just like to put out into the field that we eclipse, we collectively eclipse that story of the powerlessness of the individual. Yes. And because I think that's a story to, I think that's a story the control system uses to stay in control. Um, but each of us has the exact same amount of power when it comes to being able to influence the field through our energy. We, we all have the same power. It doesn't matter if you're a, you know, if you're in the 1% or living on the street, we have the same, same power there. Yeah, and I want to. One of the things that comes to me as you're talking about um, Neptune, and we could probably talk for a long time about Neptune. I know you could because you've been majoring in Neptune lately. Um, but that that because we have so much Pisces energy with Neptune um, turning direct there, and Jupiter getting ready to go there. Oh, look! <laughs> there she is, the kitty. Um, 
One of the things that has helped me a lot over the years with that sensitivity to the field and everybody else's stuff is, is just stopping for a moment and simply asking, is this mine? When you get overwhelmed with some emotional thing, and maybe it is yours, but I've found that that's really powerful and sort of kind of clarifying me versus everything else. And that's going to get even more important at the end of the year when Jupiter crosses into Pisces to be with Neptune there. Do we want to, is there more that we want to say about the eclipse? Do we want to talk about, let's talk about the nodal axis, the Gemini Sagittarius energies. And do we want to say a couple things about what, uh, let's just talk for a moment about what the nodes are for people that, um, may may not know and i don't want to get too technical because it gets we can get kind of wrapped up in it but um maybe i'll start and you can fill in the nodes are they're not actual objects but they're the two points in the sky where the moon's orbit around the earth crosses the earth's orbit around the sun and because those two orbits aren't flat in the same line there's only those two points where they cross and you can think about it in terms of the reason that eclipses happen along the nodal axis is that that's the point, those are the points where the sun, the moon, and the earth all line up together. And so that's why the moon, for instance, if it's between the earth and the sun can block out the light of the sun and then vice versa, if the earth is in between the moon and the sun, then the moon gets the earth's shadow across it. And an eclipse is basically that shadow of one body across the other from just a astro astronomical point of view. And I'll say one more thing. Um, they're significant, these nodes, these two points in the sky are significant points. They're very sensitive. They, in an evolutionary astrology point of view, they represent sort of where we come from. That's the South node in the chart. It looks like a little upside down horseshoe. And then the North node represents sort of an evolutionary path forward. Um, and then even in a bigger sense than that, they represent the sign polarity that we either collectively or individually need to integrate. And so eclipses kind of bring up this, it's almost like the seesaw sometimes between the two meanings of the two signs, which, yeah. They're not actually opposite, they're, they're on a spectrum, but we can perceive them as opposite. So hopefully that helps kind of just give an idea of why the nodes matter. And Emily, do you wanna to add to that? Because- Yeah, um, just to say, you know, of course, um, the nodes in the birth chart are extremely important, but we're, you know, focusing here on the nodes in the sky. And to say that the nodes will stay in the same signs um, for a year and a half. And right now we're coming to the end of the North Node in Sagittarius and the South Node in Gemini, oh, sorry, North Node in Gemini, South Node in Sagittarius. Um, so there's a kind of culmination around these themes that we've been working with for the past year and a half. And because the nodes are connected with the eclipses, as Christine said, while the nodes have been in Gemini and Sag, we've been having eclipses in Gemini and Sag. And today's eclipse in Sagittarius is the last in this cycle. So there is this big sense of culmination and an awareness around what have we been working with, with Gemini and Sag. And I wanna add, like, not only do we think of the North Node as 
evolutionary, you know, intent and the South noticed karmic past, you know, which is, yes, true. Um, on a very basic practical level, I think of the North node as what's gonna work best. What's gonna work like very, you know, this is my, you know, Virgo, Taurus, let's, let's bring it down to earth, be practical. North node, what's gonna work best? South node, what's not gonna work? What's not scheduled to work during this time? And also that the South node really brings out the shadow of whatever sign it's in. And there's also a quality um, for those who speak astrology, the South node has a similar quality to Neptune. It's where we can get caught up in illusion and delusion. Um, and, and the North node can, can feel kind of risky to move toward. It's like the, one way to think about the North node is it's the evolutionary edge. So it, it is edgy. It's like risk, it feels risky. It feels like you're going out on a limb, but as we know, that's how we grow. We grow by taking risks and going out on a limb. So the Gemini Sag axis is a lot about what do we know and how do we know it, right? And, and Gemini is the, the reporter, the investigator, um, the student, very curious. And so my, my Gemini North Node mantra, which some of you have heard me say many times, which I got from Tom Kenyon, who doesn't speak astrology, but he's coming at it from a different angle. Be curious and expect miracles. And, you know, and, and I want to say that with the energy we have today and with this eclipse, and as we know, eclipses are in effect for the next six months and even 19 years, um, Mercury, the ruler of Gemini, is squaring Neptune. And, and the word I like for that is wonder. Like, like when we're, we're in a state of wonder or awe or isn't this interesting, <laughs> right? I mean, there's so many ways we could react or respond to what's unfolding in the world, right? Freak out, negativity, oh my God, what the hell? Or we could also be curious, like, wow, this is really interesting. And that that's Gemini, that's like high vibe Gemini. And part of high vibe Gemini too is to be the, the witness, the witness and the narrator, and the observer, um, the, the highest vibration of Gemini is like Buddha mind. It's like mastering the realm of the mind and being in that neutral, curious, open, like Gemini is very open-minded, sees things from all different perspectives. And so that's what we've been challenged to hold, right? And meanwhile, with the South Node in Sagittarius, part of the shadow of Sagittarius is um, like blind faith. Like Sagittarius is a sign of optimism and trust and faith. And one of the ways that I'm thinking about this eclipse today is about renewing our sense of faith, but not, not in a uh, like uninformed Pollyanna kind of, like it, it's all good, it'll be fine, uh, kind of spiritual bypass that can be part of the shadow Sag. I'm sure everything will work out okay. I'm just gonna go back to watching TV and having a glass of wine or something. It's fine, you know. <laughs> yeah, too much of it. Yeah, it's like the difference between um, it's the difference between trust 
like we've been taught about trust, like to trust something else or to trust somebody else. And like real deep, the, that really deep knowing that life, you know, that the life process is unfolding just as it should. And it's hard to explain the difference, but once you really, and this is why spiritual practice can be so important and so helpful is because it's about finding that real foundation of faith and trust. And that, I think that's a lot of what we've been missing. And that's what, I mean, and I think that's what's being pointed to in a lot of ways right now. Well, and I think a lot of the process that at least I've experienced and observed other people experiencing over the past year and a half of the South Node in Sagittarius is a kind of disillusionment around people or entities or institutions that we've put our faith into. And so part of the process of growth with the South Node in, in Sag is reclaiming our um, where we've projected our faith and trust outside of ourselves. And, and this is, you know, I, I think a lot and talk a lot about the distortions of the zodiac signs. And as we know, we could go through every single sign and talk about how distorted it's, it's been in this, you know, patriarchal, whatever construct. Um, I think the, the essence of the distortion of the signs has to do with externalization. Yes. Right. So with Sag, yeah, it's about finding our deep inner faith and and deep inner light. Like Sagittarius is the last of the fire signs, right? So, but it happens at the darkest time of year, right? So where do we find light and hope and positivity and optimism about the future in the darkest time of year? And then we can expand that and say, where do we find faith and hope and positivity in a really dark time collectively, right? And, and it's not by saying, oh, well, this teacher is gonna save me or this institution's gonna save me or I'll just trust whatever they say. That's not it. We're gonna be disappointed and disillusioned if we externalize instead of doing the deep, deep work. Yeah, and I it, one of my one of the kind of revelations for me over the last year and a half about um, Sagittarius and Jupiter as the ruler of Sagittarius specifically is its relationship to karma. In 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 astrology, you often hear that Saturn is the karma planet, the planet of karma, because Saturn has so much to do with the you know the cause and effect and the consequences. But one of my favorite quotes about karma comes from um, a writer who grew up in India and then taught in the U.S. Um, and and it, he basically said that the purpose of karma is to teach you the consequences of your belief system or and the, de- the word defined becomes defined as what you put your faith in. And so if you put your faith in something larger, like yourself as something larger, right? I mean, because we all have that, that we're all part of, we are all divine, we're all part of divinity. And if we can find that place where we put our faith in life and, you know, what we, what we feel um, and that, that deep spiritual connection that each of us has access to, then that's going to be, that's going to guide our karma. 
And it's the same, it's kind of the same thing that you're talking about. If we're putting, if we're putting faith in an institution or something out there, all of those things are limited. And so we need to find what's unlimited to put our faith in. And then also realize that however we construct our belief system is going to guide our entire life. And so I think that's the other thing that's coming with, you know, that we're wrapping up with the Sagittarius South node and Jupiter actually squares the, the nodes as soon as it goes into Pisces. And so it's kind of like the, the last big lesson about who is your guru, right? Who that Jupiter is also the guru. So who is your guru? And I, I think about this be your own guru kind of. Yeah, I, lo I love all that. Thank you for that. Um, that wisdom about karma and thinking about stories, right? Because it's basically like, what's the, what's the story we tell about what it all means and how the world works? And as the poet Muriel Rickheiser said, the world is not made up of atoms, it's made up of stories. And with this Sagittarius South Node and today's eclipse, which is on the South Node, which means this is an eclipse and, and just say that a solar eclipse is an especially powerful new moon. So this is a new beginning and then a, a seed planting for something new that's gonna unfold over the next 19 years. It's a big new beginning. However, and I would say a big new beginning that's about stepping into a new story, right? But to step into the new story, we've got to purge a lot of old stories and, um, and old, old beliefs and maybe old ways that we were trying to find that sense of hope and positivity and faith that's like a bottomless pit and not really taking us where we want to go. And as you were talking, I was thinking about how like that bigger story or that bigger sense of self. And that's Sag, right? Sag is ruled by Jupiter, the biggest planet out there. It's extremely expansive which is also part of the energy of now, which is like, there's a lot going on, right? And Sag is like an overextender for sure. Um, so, so it's kind of like this, this Sag energy wants us to go galactic so we can go really big to find our faith, like really tuning into those bigger cosmic forces and to go really deep within but it's like anything in between that, that we're trying to sort of grasp onto as, oh, as long as I'm holding onto this, or as long as I'm telling this story, or as long as I've got this, once we got this one thing, everything's gonna be okay. No, so this is like an, an emptying out eclipse to uncover more of the essence of our true faith and, you know, I want to say connection too. Sag, you know, the mutable signs are all about connection, and Sag is about that—that that big connection, you know, the biggest possible connection with our big self and guides and angels and all of that, um, and also about that very deep connection with our inner teacher and inner wisdom. Yeah, and I, th you know, the other thing that I always think about with this time and particularly this eclipse, but this whole season that we've been in is that the shadow, one of the big shadows we've been facing is this need for certainty. 
this desire to know, to know the answer and to be right and to have like some kind of fixed, sort of fixed position on things. And of course, neither, I mean, that's a shadow of Sag, but this whole Gemini Sagittarius axis, it's mutable. It's, it, we're in a time where we have this opportunity to begin to shift. And I think, you know, depending on who you listen to about sort of the current events, and of course, obviously, depending on where you're coming from and what your beliefs are, we're in a time where our entire relationship with our bodies and with um, how health works and all, it's all in this big turning point. And so it's in, Lynn Bell put it beautifully last year in one of her talks, and I, I quote this all the time, and she, what she said is in this year, 2021, it's gonna be incredibly important to be able to hold multiple, multiple points of view. And I think, you know, I catch myself sort of like sinking into, well, I know how things really are. And when I catch myself there, I try to soften around that and start getting curious about other people's viewpoints, because I think that's been the, I mean, honestly, that's been the damage that's been done. Most of the damage has been done by that certainty. And I think that's what this eclipse is about. And I certainly think that Jupiter squaring the nodes is kind of like that last, um, that sort of last hurrah about letting, kind of breaking us out of thinking we know all the answers. Exactly, that's a, that beautifully put, that's definitely a big Sag shadow. I'm right, I've got the answers. I know how it's all going down. Um, and staying in that position right now is not scheduled to work at this time. And, um, you know, because the nodes have a 19-year cycle and eclipses have a 19-year cycle, it's helpful to look back. You know, sometimes it, when we're in something, it's hard to get perspective, right? When we're in the field of what's, you know, all the craziness happen happening now. But we can look back to the last time we had this eclipse and the last time the nodes were in um, the last time the South Node was in Sagittarius, and this was 2001, 2002. And so remember the axis of evil that you know we had uh, George Bush in office here, and and we're the good guys and they're the bad guys, right? This is this is Shadow Sag to the max. I mean, back then we also had Pluto in Sagittarius, so we were in extreme Shadow Sag, right? But that whole stance of good, evil, right, wrong, black, white, this is the only, you know, it's either this or that. You know, Shadow Sag is the, the dogmatism and the righteousness and arrogance that I have all the answers. Um, and also on a sort of, and, and so, and we obviously we see that polarization happening now in very extreme ways. Um, but I also want to mention the, the, um, the, that, shadow that maybe more subtle shadow and and i think you you mentioned the super scene but of thinking that we have to know all the answers because sagittarius is the sign of the big picture and this is you know high vibe sag is being able to step back from what's happening and say hey in 100 years who cares like let's see let's look at the big picture here and see the higher vision and where's this all you know the bigger story but because the south node is in sagittarius we don't have access to that so much right now. 
And so part of the like bottomless pit, and that's one of the ways I think about the symbol for the South Node, because it's the, the horseshoe, it looks like a drain, right? Part of the bottomless pit of Sagittarius, South Node is, okay, I'll, I'll start moving forward once I figure out how it's all gonna work and understand, Sag wants to understand the bigger picture. And that's the bottomless pit. We can't, we have no idea what's happening. And if we think, oh, I know exactly what's gonna happen, total illusion. And instead we wanna lean into the Gemini, the curiosity, the wonder, isn't it, isn't it interesting? And keep following, like Gemini energy is playful. It's kind of, it's like the butterfly, it's air, the air element. So keep following like what feels light and interesting and playful and connecting and kind of that, that sparky fun connectedness versus like, South of Sagittarius can have a kind of ponderous and like I gotta I gotta find the ultimate truth before I can do anything. When, no, you don't actually. <laughs> you can just keep noticing what's sparky and and trusting the flow of change is like maybe the the headline you know for 2021 and it's culminating now. Like the, this month, uh, 20, 2021 goes out with a bang with the final Saturn Uranus square coming up later this month, all about how do we flow with change? Yes, but, that's that. Uh, if you had a headline for the year, I think that that would be it, learning to flow with change because it's been all about change. And I just, uh, there was one other thing I wanted to say about that. And then I thought maybe that's a great segue, segue into Saturn and Uranus. Um, because, you know, I think about the nodes, you know, the higher, when we finally get to what are we doing with these nodes, either in our charts or collectively, it's so much about it's alchemy, right? The alchemy of taking things that appear to be opposites, but are really just the two different ends of a spectrum and learning how to stop bouncing between them and re recognizing that there's an integration of them. And, you know, I've, I've, we've been watching the bouncing between, right? The go and get as much information and gather statistics and, and you know, gather facts. And of course, everybody has dis disagreement on what the facts really are. And that's one of the things that we've seen so much here. And then form an opinion and, and then concretize it, you know, make it. And I think what we're really being asked to learn in that flow with change way is, is being open and allowing ourselves to revise like how we see the world based on what we start to, to um, based on not statistics and all those abstract concepts. But you know, the other thing I think about with Gemini is it's more of a direct experience, right? Sagittarius is about making meaning and, and Gemini is about what's my experience of life in the here and now right around me. Right. Great point. Gemini. So it, another way to think about the Gemini Sag polarity is that Sag is all things foreign and international. And again, like the very big picture where Gemini is your local immediate environment. And, and what, I've certainly been thinking a lot about and experiencing for the past year and a half is how important it is to know our neighbors and to have local connections. And when there's talk about like 
cyber pandemic and the grid going down or the internet going down. And now, as we know, like so much of our connection happens through the internet. Oh my God, what if we don't have that? Do I even know my neighbors at this point, right? Oh, you can have, you know, 10,000 friends on Facebook, but like, who's going to help you when you need to move? Or, you know, like, do you know the people around you? So this Gemini North Node has really been emphasizing the importance of what's what's in our immediate reality and also in terms of what do we actually have control over like where's our power right now and obviously it's not in traveling to foreign countries going on you know be like notice how how travel has changed while the south node has been in sag and notice how it changed back in 2001 2002 flying has never been the same since then right um so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I just, you know, the other thing that I keep thinking too, and I've thought this for a while is that, you know, a lot of us have been forced, right, as you say, to be more in our communities and more local. And what I find is that if I get dragged off into the news, you know, no matter what news source I go to, if it's the alternative or the mainstream, it's pretty easy to get sort of freaked out about what might be happening or what's happening around the globe. But when I go around town, go to the grocery store, see local people, um, especially the ones that don't read the news all the time, in my, my experience, my actual experience in my local community isn't so scary. I mean, there are, you know, there's potential, but I think that's, you know, and one of the things I learned, I guess, through my, well, I guess through the spiritual teachers and the work that I've done is that my experience is the only truth I really have, right? And so I think that's part of this Gemini Sag thing is really understanding how to sink into our own experience. Yeah, and that's a great point because what I was saying earlier about the Gemini Sag axis being the axis of knowing, right? And how do we know what we know? Well, Gemini does it through the mind, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all the research and gather the facts and talk to these different people and get their opinions and you know get all these different perspectives and try to figure it out, right? Where Sag is our, our intuition, our knowing. We just, you know, some things we just know because we just know it, we feel it, right? And so I, I love how you just said that. And I think with, with the North Node being in Gemini, like, like it's not that we're getting rid of Sag, it's not that we're getting rid of our intuition, but we're using the Gemini, our, our lived experience in our day-to-day -day lives and the information that we're gathering and using our minds and thinking for ourselves and all of that, using that to inform our intuition and our truth. Um, again, versus the, you know, uh, shadow Sag, like, oh, I don't really need to think about it or it's all good or I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll just trust, you know, that it's not, that's not really that deeper level of self-trust and inner trust and really, yeah, informed intuition, let's say. Yeah, and okay, so I'm looking at the time thinking 20 more minutes-ish and I don't know what else we are dying to cover because there's so many things to cover. And I just before we go any further, I want to point out that Emily's done some, she just, you just did your, um, you did an entire call, but about a, not quite an hour specifically about the eclipse. 
And so that's on your website. And then you mentioned the Saturn Uranus square, and I want to talk about that briefly. And of course, and you've got an entire class about that available on your website. And then the other, well, two other headlines in my mind are um, Venus. We haven't even talked about Venus, the planet Venus, which is so obvious after sunset now. It's just the brightest thing in the sky. And Venus turns retrograde, and there that's yeah, there's some really great things to say about that. Emily has a class about that on your website. Um, and then what was, oh, and then the other thing I want to mention that I think maybe we'll, we'll do this in a future call is part of the reason we're spending so much time talking about the Gemini Sagittarius nodes and axis is that as we've been alluding to, that's going to shift in January. And then the nodes go into Taurus, North Node and Taurus and South Node and Scorpio. And it's a completely different energy and a completely different sort of collective challenge. And I think we both have a lot of thoughts on what that's going to look like. And um, I don't know that we have, I guess what I'm saying is, what do we want to do today with, with what we have left? Do we want to Triage! Talk? Yes. <laughs> Triage. Well, I, 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 let's just say briefly in terms of the, the nodes shifting in January that the previous eclipse, the eclipse we had a couple of weeks ago, um, which was a full moon lunar eclipse in Taurus on November 19th, that was the first in what will be a series of Taurus Scorpio eclipses happening over the next year and a half. So that was, I think, a bit of a preview. And and I think what becomes very important with the Taurus Scorpio axis, you know, there's, well, we have, we have so much to say about it. Taurus Scorpio is the axis of power and sexuality and money and also survival. And, um, and I think the survival theme comes in very strongly the next year and a half um, with a lot of shadow material around being in survival mode, South Node in Scorpio and sort of crisis mindset versus Taurus, which is ruled by Venus. Taurus loves to feel good. Taurus is about a, having a good life, having an abundant, you know, Taurus is the, the earthy expression of Venus. So you can think, think earth goddess when you think Taurus, think Gaia, right? And, and what does the earth goddess want for us? Abundance and beauty and like loving our bodies and loving the earth, right? And, and so I think what we're gonna be up against is this sort of program around crisis and survival mode and freak out and versus building, building a beautiful life, building a good life. And, um, and I think part of like thinking about the shift from Gemini to Taurus, and if you're thinking, wait a minute, Taurus comes before Gemini, what does she mean? Um, the nodes move backwards through the zodiac. So we go from Gemini backwards into Taurus. Um, and that's why if you do look at the chart of the, uh, the eclipse, you see the North node is at one degree of Gemini, where it's gonna hang out for the next you know, month or so before moving back into Taurus. So it's like, based on the information that we've gathered, Gemini, based on what we know now, based on 
the connections we've made. And I, and I feel like Northern and Gemini has been a lot about connecting with our kind of soul tribe, soul family, connecting with the people who we are living in the same story with, like who's in my story moving forward. Based on that, what are we going now what do we build, right? Taurus is the builder. What, what do we build based on what we know and what we value? Taurus is also about values. And I think we're going to be tested around standing in our values and standing in not only our values, but our worth and knowing our worth becomes very important with the North Node in Taurus. And we're, we're already swimming in these themes in to some, maybe to a large extent, because Uranus has been in Taurus since 2018, and it's stirring up a lot of these themes around how do we how do we create, how do we manifest, how do we build a beautiful life, and do we know our worth? And I think Uranus and Taurus wants us to clear some deep unworthiness programs. And I see a, a deep unworthiness program throughout humanity. If you think it's personal to your own personal self worth, think again. Um, this is what I what I love about you know, having worked with so many clients where I'm thinking like, oh, I'm the only one who thinks la 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 or has like, no, we're, we're all working with the unworthiness program from in my experience anyway, maybe it's just my field, but um, so yeah, that's a little, a little preview. Do you want to add something to that with the nodes? Yeah, I've had a couple of um, my own personal previews lately about the, the nodes, um, particularly the Scorpio, you know, the Scorpio South node, I think, well, those of you that follow my, have my newsletter or have followed this um, podcast know that one of the things that's been totally up for me is money. And it's, it's got to do with my Pluto journey um, and that Pluto's placement in my chart. Pluto's right. I've been on top of my son for a while now. Um, and what I've, but to broaden that, what I want to say is that, you know, Scorpio has so much to do with what's taboo. And Scorpio, Taurus, as you said, is the axis of money um, and, yeah, and power and power and money and sex are all inextricable. And not sex like just, you know, the way that we tend to uh, bastardize it in our culture, but sex as innate powerful creative energy it's like our life force energy and um through a couple of experiences and then just seeing what was coming up at the at that full moon my sense is that we're going to be looking at deeply looking at some of the taboos in our culture our relationship with money which is so out of whack you know our relationship with our own sexual life energy, our creative life force, which again has been so repressed and out of whack. And, and what I hope and what I, you know, what I'm, the, the, the intention I'm going to hold is that this, this next period, this next 18 month period is a time for us to really begin to understand that we are abundance, that we are creative, that we are um, our worth comes from our deep connection. Again, this is back to that deep interior connection with ourselves, as well as our connection with our bodies, which if you've been listening to me for a while, you also know that our, my sense is that our relationship with our bodies totally mirrors our relationship with the earth. 
And that's a whole nother subject, but that's what, you know, I've talked about that a lot on this natural wisdom podcast. So you can go back and listen to some of that as well. Well, and I want to say too, and we didn't even mention this in terms of the headlines that we might talk about, but in, in terms of the collective shiznit around money, or at least in terms of the U.S., um, we are coming into the, or let's just say we're in, the United States is in its Pluto return. And in the chart of the United States, Pluto, which of course is in Capricorn, because that's where it's, you know, that's where it is now, back in Capricorn for the first time since the birth of this country, um, in the chart of the U.S., the, Pluto is in the second house of the U.S., and the second house is the house of money and resources, and Pluto is all about the shadow, and I, and I think a lot of what we're working with collectively has to do with the, I want to say, like, hyper-materialization of everything, where everything is all about the physical with no, I mean, and even when it comes to, hmm, I'm, I'm thinking about the energetics of money, right? And, and something that, you know, I, I definitely went through my entire life, like until the more recent past, like major struggles with money. And I grew up with no money and getting kicked out of apartments. And, you know, it was, it's a pretty epic journey through the money thing and coming to learn and understand the energetics of money, right? And that's in terms of the Scorpio-Taurus axis, Scorpio is what's hidden, right? And, and what's happening energetically and emotionally and Taurus as an earth sign is what's manifesting, right? And so a, a big thing for, I know many of us in our journey with money, and it doesn't, it, what I've learned too about money, and I know you did Kasha, Urbaniac's class on money, you know, power with money as well. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Like people with a lot of money can still be completely um, in scarcity and fear and don't have good, right? Doesn't matter how much money you have. Um, so, so paying attention to what am I doing on an inner level that's um, creating what's happening on the outer level, right? And, and so many people who are willing to sacrifice their life force, Scorpio, in order to make money. And, and I think this, you know, this shift with the nodes is going to, plus the Pluto return in the second house is going to crank up the volume on that, kind of forcing people to see, okay, where am I not in integrity? with my values and making money that's not really in alignment. And so many people are in that place. Um, and where is where are my old programs and conditioning and all this subconscious wounding and trauma? How is that showing up in my material world, right? Because yeah. Scorpio is about the deep emotional trauma as well. Yes. that informs what we're able to create or not able to create in our lives, Taurus. Yeah, and one of the brilliant, the most brilliant thing, I think that the thing that was most striking to me when I went to the Kasha Urbaniak class, and I'll put that in the, uh, I'll put a link to that in the um, podcast notes, is that the other thing that happens is that we take that conditioning and that programming and we look at it in here and think it's ours 
and it's not ours. It is not ours. And one of the great things that they said in that program, she and her, her business partner, um, that that's another form of oppression. And that's another, it's another form of oppression when we start believing that, oh, my money shit is my money shit. Right. And that it's because of my, you know, my mother who grew up in occupied Norway and my dad who grew up in in uh, the depression and that that's all that's all part of my personal story that keeps me from having abundance or whatever it is. It's not. I mean, yeah, I have my story, but it's just my story. You know, this is part we're back to that Gemini Sagittarius. But what we're really dealing with is this. I call it a matrix this collective matrix of programming of fear and lack and survival mode. And what I'm, what, you know, again, the intention I, that I'm holding is that we start seeing through that, that matrix, especially around money and our relationship with it and our relationship with, with it as creative energy and, uh, if you're not on my email list, you might want to sign up because I'm, I'm sort of burying my soul a little bit after this Pluto journey about my journey with money. And I think because um, that we're going through the same sort of Plutonian underworld in the United States, it might be interesting to people. So, Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned fear because this is Pluto and Capricorn, like facing our deepest fears collectively second house around money and resources and the the you know pluto always pluto the god goddess of the underworld is all about the shadows right so this deep collective shadow around survival fear um linked into the the money matrix um where we're, we're run by fear when it comes to money versus being run by the joy of creating, right? Like again, high vibe Taurus, like aren't we so blessed to be in this abundant universe and, and connected, you know, being part of nature and just creating, like this is like feminine creativity, right? Ruled by Venus. Like when women make babies, do they, I gotta work really hard here and tighten up and like, no, <laughs> you allow it to happen through you. It's nature, it's nature working. And that's how Taurus wants us to create, right? In that, in the feminine flow of ease and grace and abundance and woo, not, not in this fear-based, control-based um, program. And so I think that's a lot of what we're, we're purging, like with the South Node in Sagittarius, with the Pluto return, second house, we're purging this old programming that links fear and like we're fear and money or fear and survival or fear and resources go, you know, go hand in hand. A word that I read today that um, just came up today about Pluto is that it works through catharsis. And that that is, I mean, I have to say that from my own experience, it definitely was, it has been cathartic. It's not done yet, but I think that's exactly what's happening is, and yeah, it's coming up from the deep to be, to be seen and witnessed and dealt with. And just to tie in with our current, current astrology in the Venus retrograde, Venus, ruler of Taurus, planet that represents money, among other things, 
Venus is, a, is about to go retrograde on December 19th. Venus only goes retrograde every year and a half, so it's a big deal. And as Venus turns retrograde, she is conjunct Pluto. So, so the, the money fears, the money conditioning, the survival, the, the old programming, all of that is coming up big time right now. And that's what we're working with until March 1st. That's the, the full end of this Venus retro cycle. So, and, and I think it's very poetic that Venus is retrograde as the nodes shift, right? As the North node shifts into Venus ruled Taurus, Venus is retrograde in this Plutonian retro cycle. So it's kind of setting the stage like, yep, this is gonna be really transformational and let's just stir up all the, the hidden unconscious programs right at the get-go to see what we're, we're working with here. Yeah, and I don't know, I don't know, remember if you mentioned it in your Venus class or not, but, and I haven't looked at the exact date, but Venus, the very first thing that Venus does when she comes out of the retrograde shadow and becomes visible again is conjoins Mars. So we have that Venus, Mars, and Venus ruling the North Node, um, Taurus, and then Mars ruling the South Node, Scorpio, and they, they come together. And I mean, I think we could, again, we could do an entire thing on that because I think that that's another one of those, like the blending of the energies and initiating a new cycle. Very exciting. Well, and I also want to say that, you know, with the rulers of the North and South node, both in the same sign at that point, they'll, so both Venus and Mars will be in Capricorn. It's a lot about, it's like how we do Capricorn determines, are we north noting it are we moving toward our you know highest best future or are we south noting it and the essence with capricorn is are we in fear or or are we in self-sovereignty and the the fear comes from projecting our authority outside of ourselves self-sovereignty comes from knowing ourselves as our own highest authority and being our own master and our you know our spiritual guidance or higher self being our highest authority, again, versus like externalizing to or outsourcing to some entity or person or, oh, my partner, I have to, I can't do that because my partner says, or my family or society or whoever, right? Yeah. Okay. So before you leave, I just want to say um, one question that came up is about a recording. All you need to do is go look up the Natural Wisdom podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And this recording will be on that podcast by this afternoon. Um, and there was a question about um, North or South Node in the same sign as your son. Uh, do you want to do a quick answer to that, Emily? Sure. And, and I'll, I'll maybe broaden it to say that, you know, it, for those with a little astro techno skills, or if you know your own birth chart a bit, to look at, okay, where, where is the south node moving through my chart? And so people, let's say people with their sun sign in Sagittarius, or maybe a lot of planets in Sagittarius or Sagittarius rising, as the south node moves through there, there is an a letting go and emptying out. And so in terms of the sun, the sun is who am I and how am I here to shine my light in the world? And what's my purpose? And so the south node going over the sun could be, oh, 
that's not my purpose anymore. I'm letting go of an old story about who I thought I was or who I thought I was supposed to be. Um, so there is, wherever the south node is traveling through your chart is where there's a letting go and undoing um, the potential to get caught up in illusion or and maybe um, experiencing some disillusionment that's ultimately a good thing. Um, yeah, where, where's the release? Where's the letting go? Where's the undoing? Thank you. Um, and just before, uh, before we end, I also want to say that I have a class on Venus coming up on December 15th. I've got a series of classes on planets that I like to do the deep dive into the mythology and the meaning and the significations. Um, and then I also have a class on the signs of the Zodiac and I'm calling it the 12 seasons so that we can link it to the seasons of the year. And that's next Saturday. Both of those classes, I'm trying something new. Both of those classes are offered in the gift. You can pay what you want. And they're on my website. All of um, Emily's classes and my classes I'll link to on the podcast uh, site. It'll be in the description. And then Emily, I think you'll probably send out the link to the podcast. I'll send that out to my newsletter list. Um, I'll put my... I'll put my, uh, I'm just christinebacchus.com, but you have to know how to spell my name. So it's in the, it's in the chat. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> it's, I might have to come up with another website name because it's kind of hard to spell my name. So. Um, yes. And I'm about to change my website. Everyone spells my last name wrong all the time. Um, and so my new website is not going to have my name in it, which will be helpful. I hope. <laughs> Hopefully people can find the Natural Wisdom podcast. Uh, and you might even be able to search for that on the internet and find me versus uh, through the podcast. Um, and let's see, I think I can stay on for a few minutes. Emily, I know you have to go, but uh, I thought I'd see if there are more questions. And Yeah, so I'll just say thank you so much. It's been wonderful as been always fun. talking with you. And we're going to do it again, I think, in January, right? And talk about some, go more deeply into the 2022 influences. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we came, at least I came away with about five more ideas of things we could talk about. So we have endless material with the astrology <laughs> happening right now. All right. Much love and happy eclipse, everyone. Mwah. Thanks, Emily. All right, I'm going to stay on for just a couple of minutes. We're still recording, but if anybody wants to, um, has a question that they want to ask or a comment they want to make, go for it. And then I'll turn off the recording in just a moment too. All right, I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording and I'll stay on in case there are some questions from shy people.